Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's important for me to clarify just early on. Early doors. I did not watch this Grand Prix. <laughs> which, as the co-host of an F1 podcast series, is quite appalling. I have watched the highlights. Okay. I've watched the highlights of all the, the major sessions. Yeah. But I didn't watch the full race because I was actually at the Nürburgring. Oh, a true petrol head. Setting uh, lap records in a my mo- GT3. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Can we get onto that at some point in this episode? No, I don't know if we should. <laughs> I think I might, I might save it to discuss with Tony. Maybe we can do a car park chat episode in a <laughs> few would, weeks' time. Because Tony will come back from his road trip as well. I think that will be a very good car park chat. Would you like my disclaimer to kick off as the other co-host? Please. <laughs> I was listening to it. Okay. So I was driving at the time. Sure. So you so had, the, I had, I had, had commentary? Like, what no, I had Sky Go. Not, <laughs> I wasn't watching it, Sam. But my wife in the passenger seat had Sky Go turned up. Okay, so you could hear what was going on. But I was the champion of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday action. I was Mr. Sprint himself, and I was busy on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) The man who in the last episode said, it's just so good. You know, you can just watch so much of the action all weekend. I think what became very apparent very quickly is it was too much action this weekend. And clearly for us, too hard to keep up with. Or at least too many commitments. Not, Not so much action. Well, yes, very little action. But all the sessions that we were told to watch. And actually, I mean, that's going to be our our real big point here, isn't it? Whilst we do have lots of things that we want to drill into. And of course, whilst we didn't watch the full races, we've both, as I say, got ourselves up to speed on what happened. Exactly. I've definitely brushed up. I watched all of the drivers post-race interviews. Amazing. I got a feel for what they thought or felt around the sprint race, this new format. I listened to every single driver. I watched the YouTube videos. I've seen the highlights. And you know what I got really excited about? I know we talk about it a lot. F2. You don't talk about it that much. No, I do. Okay, fair. Not on this podcast. Whether it's into this mic or (laughs) elsewhere. Yeah. On Instagram stories, you talk about it a lot. Yeah. Okay, well, we we can talk about F2 if you like. But I think, yeah, so overall, the main takeaway is probably... The fact that it was actually quite a boring race. I mean, 
I wouldn't say a boring weekend. No. I actually think I so I went into it being like, look, Paul loves this format. He's all <laughs> for this sprint. And maybe I should just give it a go. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on board. I'm gonna dive in with my eyes and be like, yeah, no, you know what? Let's give this a go. So I saw I saw Friday qualifying and I was like, oh yeah, here we go. I saw the Saturday qualifying, I was like, yeah, sure. And then I saw the sprint and I was like, yeah. So then when I got onto the race on Sunday and I wasn't watching it and I was trying to follow it on Twitter, I was like, I kind of feel like I kind of know what's going to happen or what has happened because mm. I've already seen three competitive <laughs> sessions. Well, this was actually what we talked about in the last podcast, right? If they're changing the format up and we're getting two qualifying sessions where the driver are trying to eke out the peak of their adrenaline and then throw them into a sprint and then throw them into a race after the sprint that didn't make any difference where they finished in the sprint. And actually with the whole cost cap situation going on as well at Baku as a street circle, what we saw Logan 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 <laughs> Anyway, Logan yes. found out the hard way as did Ocon. And I think it was Hulkenberg who started in the pits on the Sunday. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes. You would know more than me. I, I wasn't watching. <laughs> so it kind of came to fruition. What we were kind were worried about. I think what a lot of people are worried about, and hey, look, Max Verstappen, very worried about, because he has been super vocal on the mm. fact that he is not a fan of these new formats or the sprint in general. And yes, I think, look, I say, let's 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 go right back to the beginning. Okay. Of Friday qualifying, which I think actually delivered. So I, that's I, what I, I missed. Start, okay, so the start of the weekend, Friday qualifying, it felt like we were seeing something a little bit different, something exciting. Obviously, Leclerc stealing the pole position a little bit unexpectedly. McLaren suddenly came on song. We had the Williams kind of right in there. It was just, there was action mm. and it felt exciting and it felt like a good watch. And I was like, yes, we're starting in a positive way. It's Baku, it's crazy. Leclerc loves Baku, here we go. Saturday morning for the separate sprint shootout, which mm. is qualifying for the sprint race, or the, or the sprint, I still don't want to call it a race. I felt a bit like Max for something then. I was a bit like, what? Is like, this necessary? Well, yeah, because fundamentally, okay, apart from a few people, we essentially got the same grid. Yeah. Some of the mistakes from Friday were ironed out. So if anything, we got an even more predictable grid. Mm. But it wasn't like, oh my God, this is like this is so cool. Like, look, oh my God, Albon's on pole. Or like, yeah. There was nothing really that different. We needed a change of weather then to, well, to yeah. produce potentially different results. But how many weekends are we going to get where there is unpredictable weather? For sure. And I don't mention that because you know Formula One's owner's going to be like, what a brilliant idea. <laughs> Bring out the sprinklers. Bernie Eccleston was onto something. I'm yeah. not sure they're listening. <laughs> they might be. Uh, um, and so, yeah, Saturday just felt a bit dull. Mm. Saturday morning felt just a bit dull. I was just a bit like, okay, did we, did we need this session? I know what you mean, but also from a from a personal life weekend plans to wake up on a Saturday morning, and I know it helped because obviously the time zone differences allowed for a bit of morning action. It was better than watching FP 
two or three. But hold on a second. You missed qualifying on the Friday and you yeah, couldn't because I was Sunday. busy. So you can't now suddenly start going, oh, but qualifying on a Saturday morning. <laughs> what, I, what I was what able to watch. Because <laughs> last time we recorded one of these episodes, you were banging about how Friday evening was your dream. Oh, I know. Time, I used, to, so I used to love it, but um, unfortunately, I've become a busy guy. You're a busy guy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not allowing you to claim the <laughs> best Saturday, thing about the Saturday morning. shootout was the fact that you could watch it in bed with a cup of tea. <laughs> I don't have a TV in the bedroom. No. <laughs> That's very good, actually. That's yeah. good yeah, I tried to instill that rule, but didn't get that well. Anyway, um, so then we came on to the actual sprint itself. So I was like, okay, fine. So the you know sprint shootout was pretty boring. But hey, look, it's Baku. Anything could happen. Mm. Like we've got an exciting grid and sort of. Yeah. Um, and then, again, nothing really happened. As with all the sprints... Well, actually, that's a no, lie. That's yeah, a, yeah sorry, I was just sorry, about sorry. to jump wow. in and wow. say at least the first three corners were interesting. The first lap. Yeah. The first lap was a yeah. vibe. Yeah. I mean, go go, George Russell. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been saying it for a while. The man is looking on fire. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. yeah. El- elbows out. And this was definitely a sort of Verstappen-Russell mind game mm. sort of thing of, you know, George going, I don't care who you are. Yep. You know, you can't school me. And Max just being like, all right, mate, let's see how it goes <laughs> yeah. next time. Like, you know, I- I'm running for the championship. You're just like flying around a little slow Mercedes. So <laughs> yeah, the first lap, I was like, yeah. here we go. The sprint. Paul was right. <laughs> and then, yeah, just died. So died what? on its feet. How are we going to summarise? How are we going to feed back to the owners of F1 that are listening? <laughs> How are we going to give Our them... most loyal audience, <laughs> F1 CEO. No, how are we going to... Okay, how do you iron this out? Do you just... Well, hold on a sec. We haven't even come on to the fact that then it meant Sunday was even more dead because but I, the cards had been revealed. Well, I, yeah. I wasn't even excited for Sunday. Like, this I went to a restaurant <laughs> where the F1 was playing. I glanced at the screen and I walked out. It's hard to keep following on Twitter because there's no action. Well, so you're at the Nürburgring, so there was probably better action outside. Yeah, genuinely. That's why I went back outside because there was no new GTRSs passing. GTRSs passing. So I just, like, I just follow on Twitter because like, I actually don't need to watch this race. Yeah. I know from the sprint kind of what's going to happen. It's five or ten laps into the race. It's all kind of evened out. Yeah. It's, everyone's cards are revealed... So yeah. far, you've got two qualifying sessions within 24 hours. And unless the weather is c- completely different, you are going to see pretty similar results. Very predictable. And then the sprint is kind of like you read the first four chapters of a book and then skip to the end chapter and get the final result. And then you're kind of like, well, do I have to read the whole book on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of like... it? it look, I don't want to crucify the sprint or the new sprint format straight away. I think everyone did it on Twitter anyway. Well, I mean, everyone (laughs) came out saying this is a load of crap, but I think a few of the people in the know, i.e. Toto Wolf, Mm. have come forward and actually asked a far bigger or more important question is, was it the sprint or was it the fact that actually the new regulations bought in to spice things up have actually cooled off a bit and development has got to a point where the whole reason they were bought in no longer exists, mm. or it, the results aren't there. Basically, overtaking is as hard, if not harder, than it was pre these new regulations. Yeah, because that was definitely the consensus of, I think it was maybe from P8 back, where everyone was stuck in this DRS train, couldn't get past, and you saw Kevin Magnuson going, I was literally just sat in traffic, and Albon going, I literally just looked at a rear wing of a McLaren for the entire race. It must be 
somewhat demoralizing as a racing driver to basically drive around as if it's scare electrics and not be able to overtake there's no real movement for a strategic shift because everyone's so clever and the tech is so advanced and intelligent that everyone behind the pits apart from ferrari know exactly when to pit <laughs> no, <laughs> kind it's of not cover, even- cover off any um uh, what are, what are undercut, the, undercut? Yeah, that's kind of where the, I was I don't going. think there was enough of an advantage either way. No. So, you know, it, even if, I mean, we saw with the safety car, people getting screwed over and getting knocked out of position. And apart from Hamilton, really, mm. who went on mm. a bit of a charge, even then people were just kind of stuck. stuck. And, and as I say, you know, it's bad because it's Baku. Mm. And we've said it before, Baku tends to deliver insane races crazy races unpredictable races loads of action and suddenly we saw a barcelona-esque race in baku with drs trains real lack of action it came across like no one cared like by sunday all the drivers were like i just want to get around i just want to finish like as i say apart from that kind of moment of of lewis grabbing a few places because he got screwed over by the Safety car. There wasn't really a lot else. I mean, the Red Bull sailed past Leclerc like he was in Formula Two. Yeah, something you're so desperate to talk about. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'd, so I don't want to crucify the sprint just yet. It could have been the circuit. It could have been a lot of different things. But clearly, this year, I think when we can no longer, we don't have to be afraid to say it anymore. It we've got a bit of a dead season on our hands. Yeah, uh, and we'll come on to it now. Our only potential savior. Sergio Perez. Yeah. After the checkered flag. So, who... I mean, I don't... We actually did say in our season preview that Sergio Perez, in the off-season, was giving it large. Yeah. This is my year. Yeah. I worked harder than ever. And blah, blah. And we were like, yeah, good luck, Sergio. <laughs> but who would have thought four races in, there'd be six points separating Max and Sergio and two wins apiece. I mean, on paper, we do have a championship race on our hands or a yeah. championship battle. I mean, aside from Red Bull, it's really, really <laughs> dire. I think the, the rest of the season looks dead as hell. But Sergio Perez trying his best to give us a little bit of hope or faith. Now, last year, we obviously had the hope or faith of Charles Leclerc for a good six <laughs> to eight races at the start of the year. Yeah, yeah. And then we know what happened. So I'm not sitting here being like, we're going to go down to the final race. So, but, but, but. Mm. Before we get into the politics of Red Bull, okay, <laughs> are you impressed by Sergio? And do you think you see a different Perez than you have done before? Uh, yeah, definitely a different Perez, a more hungrier Perez. And I think that comes from two reasons. I think the door is, I'm going to say, manufacturer, man, manufacturally opened by Red Bull. Is that even a word? I don't think it's no. a word. Uh, but do you know what I mean? As in like Red Bull have opened the door. Sure, have left the door a little bit ajar. Because they might eke a little bit more performance out of him. But I also think bringing Danny Rick in to kind of chomp at his heels a little bit, to be like, if you don't get to where we want you to be, then we'll just slip him in. Do you really think I th- that though? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think Danny Rick has squeezed him up a little bit. And I think the fact that Red Bull have opened the door a little bit to be like, come on in, come on, in you come, has kind of given him a little bit more of hope. But do you know what is going to happen? Red Bull will manufacture, I'm using that word again, they will create a little bit of hype because F1 and Netflix will be like, 
make this entertaining. And then on the last race, Max will win. There's a lot to divulge in what you just said. You just made like six really big points that we now have to pick apart. So firstly, I, I, I agree. I think Sergio on camera comes across a little different mm. in the interview in the interviews that we see walking around the paddock, he's just got a bit more of a serious Aggie edge to him. Not so much um, pleasing Red Bull PR. No, just pleasing people in, like he's just yeah. not so smiley bumbly. Like I think, I, I don't feel personally like Red Bull have ever really championed Sergio for who he is, what he has allowed him to sort of fly the flag for Red Bull. I don't, I don't see it as Red Bull ever really being offended by such. I think he's done a great job. He basically helped Max to that championship in 2021. His defensive driving, his aggressive driving, some of his team play, especially towards the latter part of the year. And last year, they wrapped up both titles fairly convincingly with him doing a pretty solid job. Could he do better? Could he have done better? Uh, maybe, but mm. did they need him to? Not really. Yeah. yeah. So... To move on to your next point of you think Danny Ricks like pushed him up a level. Sure, maybe personally Perez was like looking over shoulder yeah. being like, well, that's a bit annoying. But I think the motivation to actually have a championship run and take on Max would be far higher than like, oh, oh for, here's for, a guy's going to like kick For me sure. Out. But I think that there is in the back of his head, like he's just trying to find that window of just enough pressure to the point where he drives at his absolute optimal and not overdrives the car, but also not just drive home for a second place, third place victory. So I was just checking the camera was recording that. Uh. <laughs> second, third place victory. Um, for sure, absolutely. But then on top of that, let's not forget the disaster that was the end of last year mm. and Max and Sergio's relationship. And, yeah. and that's something else we said in the preseason episode was that, you know, I think Sergio's a bit like gloves off. Like I don't, I don't owe you guys anything. Yeah. I definitely don't owe Max anything. Yeah. Like he was motivated and spurred on by it. By like, hold on a sec, I was very happy sitting here playing second fiddle. Like this was a great move for the end of my career, the latter part of my career. I was a happy chappy, and you've just acted like a yeah prick. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a swear <laughs> word, but I said it. You know, you just acted like a prick, uh, and therefore. Screw it, mate. Yeah. I'm going to come at you. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. and, and I, I'm j I can take victories off I'm giving you. it everything. Yeah, and I'm not going to bow down to you and let you come through. And I think maybe that has ruffled a few feathers. And Ted Kravitz really interestingly analysed Christian Horner's words, or, or at least the sort of post-race radio messages. Because I think Sergio was very much like, we're still in this. We still got this. Which Ted was saying he thinks is a message to his side of the garage to keep them motivated. Because I'm sure they're under a lot of pressure from higher up to be like, look... You know, don't forget your place in this team. Mm -hmm. But then also Christian Horner came out being like, you know, so, so Checker got lucky today. You know, he got lucky with the safety car, cool, blah, blah. To be like, don't worry, Max. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we, we got you. Like, yeah. you know, he just got a bit lucky. Like, it's early on in the season. And look, based on previous results, we would expect Max to walk this. Like yeah. when the season settles down, there's a nice rhythm and a nice flow. Yeah, we think Max has got this. But, but, but. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? And Sergio is definitely looking a bit more out for himself. And four races in now, four fairly different tracks with a big old break. I think we can confidently say no one's coming back at them for the championship. I still have hope. Oh, you are just... <laughs>
So weirdly, Mm -hmm. a few other little anecdotes to pick up on from the weekend. One of the follows on from my last point, but has nothing to do with the race. (laughs) Go on. Daniel Ricciardo at the Met Gala. (laughs) I I put it on my story because there was so much content getting pumped at me about his interaction with some actress who I definitely have forgotten the name of. Anne Hathaway. That was the one, Princess Diaries. Um, right, got- <laughs> so you don't remember her name, but you know the roguest and <laughs> yeah. 13-year-old girlist uh, reference. I have a younger sister, okay. okay sure. <laughs> um, and I saw basically nothing that had trickled over the night's content of the race. Like, I had to go searching really hard. Um, meanwhile, Danny Rick's obviously living it up. I mean... Do we get into what is even the Met Gala? I have no, no idea. I don't think no. it needs to be discussed no. massively. Why it's, was he there? It's a sort of, it's one of the biggest fashion celeb nights out. To be invited is a pretty big deal, theoretically, within the sort of, I don't even know what group. But the point I want to make, or I want to come on to, rather than going into celebrity culture too much, <laughs> is, firstly... Does it not reiterate Daniel Ricardo's star power in America? Lewis oh, Hamilton has been before. Yeah. I don't know many other Formula One drivers that have been in the past. And the fact that he's not even racing this year. And he got an invite. Okay, fine. He couldn't if he was in Baku. But, you know, he got an invite and there he was. And he had Anne Hathaway and a whole load of other celebs coming up being like, oh, huge F1 fans. Yeah. And it's kind of the power of Netflix, I guess. They've yeah. made him a star. But is that awareness, attention, media focus, and potential sponsorship opportunities going to add to his case for getting a seat back on the grid in, in 2024? Or is he experiencing all of this newfound stardom in America to be like, actually, I quite like this. Like, don't need the pressure of deliver- delivering results. Don't need the pettiness of having to deal with Christian Horner or Max Verstappen. Actually, I quite like walking the red carpet every now and again spending my days chilling, riding a horse if I fancy it. It's a weird one because he's definitely, if you asked me five years ago, who was the next star that we've obviously had Lewis, I probably wouldn't have said Danny Rick. He kind of feels like one of those homebodies, you know. He always loves going back to Australia. He like lives on a ranch. He's got all of his old mates that he listens to his music that he grew up listening to. Do you know what? He's kind of that person. So I would be amazed if he did get wrapped up in all of this. But at the same time, if he's building a personality, he's building a profile for planning for retirement, or he's trying to fly that flag of, hey, look at me, I'm a much bigger deal. I'm going to sell more cans of Red Bull. Stick me in that suit. (laughs) I I still think, you know, I still think the Red Bull seat is a long way away. I think there's a lot of chat there between those two. And I'm sure he's desperate for it. I just don't think it's going to happen. I just don't see it. I, no. I really don't see it. Unless Perez has a big falling out with Max, as in like uh, he wants to leave the team. I just, mm, I just mm. don't see it. But, you know, Aston Martin, the next iteration of Sauber be becoming Audi, you know, there, there are little hints of opportunities here and there. Um but yeah, it was just weird and interesting to see. I thought I thought he looked out of place, but that's because I know oh, yeah. Him yeah. in his Formula One life. But maybe you're right. Maybe he's transitioning uh, very 2023, <laughs> right? Uh, but into a yeah, into a sort of celeb life now, and we're going to see him in a very different role. But uh, yeah, you're that you're right that it seemed to be there was more coverage and more chat in F1 Twitter about Daniel Ricciardo at this celeb event than the actual Azerbaijan Grand Prix weekend. <laughs> Which is a win for Danny Rick. Which is a great <laughs> win for Danny Rick and, you know, more so Red Bull again. Um, 
but yeah, it just just proved that I think a lot of us felt pretty deflated at, at the end of the race on Sunday. And it happens. Look, we've all, we've been here many times before. If you've, if you've been a Formula One fan for longer than, well, the 2021 season or, or, or for more than just the 2021 season, you'll know this is a very common formula. You know, we do get boring, dead races and so we shouldn't write things off completely. But, but this was a particularly bad or dull weekend tied into this whole new sprint format. So go Danny Rick for giving us something to talk about. Go Danny Rick, play that conspiracy theme tune oh, now. Oh, I'll add it in in post. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy Corner Conspiracy Corner It's about conspiracies I guess it's over. Let's cr- let's crack on with the conspiracy theory. <laughs> that was good counter. A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In your head to work out. It was definitely not long enough, but anyway. (laughs) So, whilst we didn't get action on track, I picked up on some Instagram rumors that apparently there is an open secret within the F1 circus that Charles Leclerc oh, yeah. has been talking to Mercedes about potentially filling this seat as they prepare for Lewis Hamilton to retire. 100%. So this did, I don't think, I'm going to say not a conspiracy theory, not conspiracy corner worthy. What? Because I think this was like headline news. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think this was like I secret saw, whispering. Like, I, I saw one post and I was like, oh, 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 I've got a bit of a... Got oh, a bit. no, I think like they talked about it on Sky Sports F1 and I think they interviewed oh. about it. Like, it was like a quite a big thing. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good excuse to play the conspiracy corner. Yeah, feature. exactly. Like not played it for a few weeks, so... Uh, Getting that money's worth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those royalties are paying us well. Um, yeah, so, so that's what actually was going to be my next topic to come on to. So good segue either way, Paul. Perfect. What a fantastic co-host you are (laughs) but yeah this leading into the weekend was kind of the big gossip is that supposedly there were almost advanced conversations Mm. happening between mercedes and charles leclerc for yeah teeing them up as lewis's potential replacement now i think lewis's 
out of contract at the end of this year or next year? End of this year. End of this year. And Charlotte Clerk is end of 2024. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, impossible to read what the future f- holds for Lewis Hamilton. He keeps making all the right positive noises. But we've said before, if, if we, th- if we, if Mercedes continue to have a down yeah, spiral, yeah. his motivation may drop slightly. And Mercedes are right to start thinking about it. Okay, they've definitely got a star in Russell for sure. Someone who can clearly go and win races. But if they want to remain at the top, they need to be securing top talent. They yeah. can't sit back and go, right, well, let's bring in one of our reserve drivers mm. or bring someone up from Formula 2. Interesting they went for Charlotte Clerk then. <laughs> Why'd you say that? What do you mean? You're saying they want top talent for their replacement to Lewis. You're saying Charlotte Clerk's not top talent. You want to have a fight? <laughs> We're recording today's episode in my house. You can leave. I can kick you out very easily. Oh, I just thought I'd slip it in there. You're a dick. Why are you saying that? <laughs> what what are you Who did you put in there? Go on then. Go on then. Who are you going to put in there? Who's the oh, other top probably talent? some F2 driver. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, look, I think... I, think- I, by the way, no, I'm not letting you get away with this. <laughs> because the minute Charlotte Claire got that poll on Friday, I was like, ha, ha. Yeah, but did you hear Alonso came out? Did you, know what, did you hear what Alonso came out yeah. with? Said that Ferrari were lucky. Lucky with what? The whole weekend. Ah, yeah. Well, that's all right for him to say. And I was, was unlucky because his DRS wasn't working. Well, exactly. He oh, said, well, jog on, He mate. said Ferrari had the perfect weekend. Yeah, that's not luck. That's hard work. And that Aston Martin was faster than them on race pace, catching them. Oh, well, of course he would say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Nando he, fan, as they no, say. No, don't even start. He's <laughs> always, oh, you know. But that's literally not how sport works. It's like, watching a football game where the other team win 3-0 and be like, well, yeah, but if we'd saved those goals, we actually probably would have won. So, sorry, Nando, if that's what we're now calling him. Um, I think he's still riding works. riding high about all of the publicity that he's had over the last four days. But again, like, there was something in him talking to his team. I mean, it was crazy to hear because obviously teammates usually are against each other. And he was like, hey, have you told Lance Stroll about my break? Oh, we're still talking about Alonso. Yeah, yeah of course. Okay. This is so, an Alonso episode. I thought we were talking about Charlotte Claire, but... <laughs> no, we've moved on. Back to the I, 58-year-old I, Spaniard. <laughs> wasn't it two episodes ago? Was it last episode that I said Charlotte Claire will never win a world championship? Yeah, probably, but <laughs> he will if he's going to say this. Or Russell would definitely beat him over a season. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. He can drive no. under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Shah did Look crash. how <laughs> really undermined a lot of my like whooping that was going yeah. on in my car as I was listening to qualifying. But um, yes, anyway, so hold on a sec. Again, lots to unpack. You just keep just dropping bombs in like one short paragraph and then just trying to move on to a whole other topic. So Fernando, yes, again, proving his ability to think about a thousand different things at once whilst driving incredibly fast. And yes, proving that Aston Martin do have great race pace and longevity through a race. It seems to be that they get faster towards the end of a race. So that Aston Martin is still strong. We're going to keep seeing them get podiums. There's the potential for a victory. Let's hope they keep up the development race. I think Lance was a lot closer to Fernando this weekend, um, which was interesting to see. And I think strong for the team too. Um, Fernando, I think, is absolutely lapping up. Oh, the he positivity loves it. The PR, the fact that he's suddenly back at the top yeah. and he's just riding the confidence wave, feeling like so clever. Yeah, it'd be great for me and Lewis to team up one more time before we bow out at Mercedes, maybe where I can dominate him and win a championship. It's like, sure. I mean, sorry, I get wound up by him. I know there's a lot of Alonso fans out there, but I just get really wound up by him. Um, but can we come back to my original point, which is yeah, Charlotte Claire and this this rumor, this sort of rumor of of him potentially being Mercedes' first choice. 
I, we say first choice, they could be having a lot of other conversations that just haven't slipped out yet. But I find often is the way in Formula One and in sport in general, when something like this gets leaked, yeah, yeah. it's because it, it wants to be, somebody has leaked it because they want to. Yeah. So either Mercedes have leaked it to get an advantage over somebody else they're negotiating with, to try and hurry them up to put pressure on, or Charles leaked it, or his team have to put some pressure on Ferrari. So one way or another, that that's kind of what I read from it. But genuinely, do you believe Russell would, would beat Leclerc over a season? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super interesting. I think based on the last six to nine months, I'm not going to disagree, but it cuts me deep inside <laughs> my heart to say that. But I it, still think, I still think if... Um, Mercedes had a car to rival Red Bull and it was Leclerc and Russell, I think they'd share quite a lot of quickest qualifying, mm. whether they would jump or, or alternate between poles. It depends how competitive they are in comparison to Red Bull and everyone else. Um, but I just, I don't see either Ferrari driver at the moment being able to produce with how many races we have in a season now a world championship winning performance across the entire season. And I'm not saying like we get to see that with Russell, but I think what he's at least shown going up against Lewis in a fairly uncompetitive car is he has that, and he's definitely younger than Leclerc as well, isn't he? I actually don't know, but I would assume so. I think he's a couple, I think that he came through slightly later. Um, So I would, I would, if I had to put money on, either of those two winning a world championship, I think I think George has the upper hand already in terms of his maturity in a drive and his ability to win a, to win a race in a car that... I mean, Leclerc was on pole for the sprint and the race on Sunday. And okay, the Red Bulls are ridiculously fast and put George in that Ferrari, it's still going to have the same result. Um, I just feel like and maybe what we're seeing with these new regulations is actually the street circuits like Baku and Jeddah aren't the races for these cars to nip around in we might see a shift in some of the more notoriously boring races that you get mid-season or towards the end come alive yeah maybe um, may, maybe I it, it's it's hard to read because it is still early but I think yeah I mean if you're not putting Leclerc at the top of your list as Lewis's replacement who are you be serious, because for a moment, I think you're right. I think the difference between Leclerc and Russell has been, Leclerc, uh, Russell had that three years of, was it three or four years? Three years of development at Williams, which mm. was actually genius by Total Wolf, if you think about yeah. it. And really, since he's joined Mercedes, he's been faultless. Mm. He's yeah. been faultless yeah. since he's joined. He's, he's a robot. He's a complete robot. robot. And just looks ready to just literally pick up. Do you see well, him playing table tennis? It's unbelievable. Okay. Um, <laughs> As, well, well, Charles Leclerc, I don't care about him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I was really going to say something else. Uh, well, Charles Leclerc had an incredible debut season for Ferrari and a follow-up second season and then has looked to come a little bit unhinged and at his moment of opportunity seemed to falter. Now, mm. that could just be his development curve in terms of years in F1 and maybe he's going to come out or through the other side of this even stronger. But yeah, so you're not wrong, but you've already got Russell. Yeah. He's already in the yeah. team. No, so yeah. who else are you looking at? You're not looking at Mick Schumacher, are you? Nope. Um... It's, it is hard looking. Do you, do you chase Alonso? No, I don't think so because it's it's a short term move. 
Um, it's kind of like buying a, a, a 35-year-old striker that banged in 30 goals last season. Like, you know you're only going to get another year out of him, really. Um, the uh, Do you know, like, the only person that I can think of, and he would be, he would chomp at the idea, is Gasly. Ugh. But I, knew you, I actually knew you were going to say that. I was, so I was toying between Albon and Gasly because mm. I love Albon mm-hmm. and I think he's great. And I think put him in a, in a, in a fast car without the, the pressures of being a number two Red Bull driver. And I, I think he's got massive potential. All of the other drivers have either had their chance in a fast car or I just don't think they should have the opportunity to drive a Mercedes. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people shouting like Nick DeVries and people like that because obviously he was supposed to have some sort of opportunity. Won the Formula E World Championship with Mercedes. Exactly. So, but he's kind of, as we've discussed, not really risen to the challenge yet. Maybe... Having a tough year in that that dodgy AlphaTauri. But I actually think... I was going to say Albon. I think, I think mm. you know, obviously Russell's going to fly the flag from their Bezzy mates in Formula 2. Obviously they were super competitive. We did see him produce amazing results in the lead up to his downfall at Red Bull and he's come back strong with Williams. He'll know the Mercedes engine. He'll know the powertrain kind of within that family. So yeah, I, I, I could see that as being the next the next kind mm. of option. Um, but don't get me wrong, if you had the option between Albon and Charles, like I, I would 100% say Charles is definitely the driver to have if they're your two options. And when you look across the grid, they probably are. Could be quite an explosive pairing though. Russell and Leclerc <laughs> yeah. could be quite an explosive pairing. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a sort of exciting idea because at some point, Lewis will retire. Mm. And, and I, I think we have all realised or read between the lines to to know that he's probably not going to go to another team. It's probably going to be, you know, he will bow out at some point. And, and it will be a very juicy seat, even though Mercedes are the third fastest team this year and not looking like they're in it for for victories or at least a challenge for the championship. I would expect them to come back strong at some point. I don't think they're going to fade away completely a la McLaren, a la uh, Williams. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a desirable seat. Would be an interesting move from Charles though, because you know, huge, you're kind of giving huge. up on, well, what was his childhood dream and also leaving a team that's always going to be there or thereabouts for Ferrari. That's the thing. You yeah. Know? And, and yeah. similar to Vettel really, because obviously his dream was always to follow in Michael. Schumacher's Mick, Mick. No, you Mike. tried to call him Mikey last time. Mikey, yeah. <laughs> big Mikey. Disaster. Um, and, and I think obviously Charles had that same dream and, and maybe it's not living up to the hype. Well, I think what's being proven to, <laughs> Just to champion my champion. God. There's that smirk. What? It's uh, what? What? it's not as easy to uh, transform Ferrari. Mm. Schumacher made it look. Yeah, I think a lot of people like the idea of trying to replicate what he did. I'm he was a great champion. I'm a great champion. He went into the team when it was a disaster. Turned yeah, it around. Yeah. I can go into the team when it's a disaster. And of course, there was so much more than just Schumacher that aided into the success or the phenomenon that was Ferrari in the early noughties, Ross Braun, Roy Byrne, John Todd, etc. But, but, but by most people's account, Schumacher was the glue that binded a lot of that team together and pushed them forward. And I think, yeah, Vettel, Vettel, Alonso, Leclerc, they just haven't somehow been able to get them across the line whilst they've looked competitive and championship contenders in the hands of all three of those drivers they have faltered and they just haven't been able to absolutely stick it together. And I think 
Schumacher was ruthless enough, determined enough, and just wholeheartedly focused enough to galvanize that team and find any weak links and, and, and strengthen it rather than Alonso, who's quick to blame, Vettel, who maybe was a bit divisive, and Leclerc, who unfortunately dropped the ball. So, mm. yeah, it's 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 fascinating few years ahead, and especially if Max keeps threatening to quit. Because <laughs> that's the one last thing which we didn't really touch on, is that this whole sprint debacle, if it should continue, and, and drivers continue to be outspoken, saying that this isn't in the DNA, you know, Max is pretty aggressively on point about this, of being like, I don't want to be in this yeah. sport. You know, we're already racing more weekends per year than we ever have before. It's already exhausting. It's already tiring. If I'm then having to slog away doing two qualifying sessions and two races, it's like, it's not F1. It's not mm. what I signed up to do. I'd get out. And I believe him. I genuinely believe him. I don't think that's a petulant bluff. No, I think he's got, I think he's got plenty on his plate that I think he probably much rather enjoys doing. Like whether that's sim racing, I know he's got his um, driving academy as well. So there are there are um, people that he kind of nurtures into single seat racing. I think he's got enough projects on the go, and with a name and legacy of what he's carrying, can you imagine him in in other racing categories, series, going it's off to doing Le Mans and yeah. uh, like, and I think with what Netflix has done with Drive to Survive and Formula One and elevated it up, it's almost left some of the other motorsports and disciplines, not necessarily in the dust, but it's kind of leveled up uh, in terms of notoriety. But Notoriety. Notoriety? Notoriety. What's notoriety? I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think this year, off topic slightly, Le Mans with the hypercar series and the amount of manufacturers that are jumping back into it is going to create this excitement around drivers wanting to win Le Mans again and add it to their CV. I just attended the six hours of Spa. Ooh. Unbelievable. Mega? I absolutely adored it. It was really? incredible. I was like, I'm going to watch the rest of the WEC season. I probably won't, but it was... <laughs> well, I'm going to Le Mans. So. so am I. Oh! Hello. But I think you've got a point there. I think, I think, I think firstly, Verstappen holds enough weight within the racing world to jump into any do whatever he wants. wants to do whatever he wants and probably win, win. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, WEC or, or the hypercar class, um, Le Mans, et cetera, for sure. I think would be appealing to him. Obviously his dad did a lot of racing in, in there and, and IMSA as well. So I, th I think, Oh, that, no, that was, um, Magnuson, wasn't it? Jan Magnuson. Anyway. So for sure, I could see him going to do some endurance stuff. He said many times before he has no interest in oval racing, so mm -hmm. I don't think he's chasing the triple crown of Indy yeah. 500 and stuff, but I could see him rallying. I could see him just doing a whole load of different stuff, and it would be a pretty big, bold, but very Max Verstappen move to just bow out as a mm. three- or four-time world champion and be like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, he could Kimi Räikkönen it, and he could just go off and win everything else and then come back. Yeah with another team or with Red Bull two or three years later and continue to win. I mean, I, I just think, yeah, he just strikes me as the kind of guy who's like, I'm not sticking around for BS and I'd just rather go and do this other discipline. And, and he's, he's, he's this character, right? That I think if you, if you aren't necessarily a fan of Max Verstappen and you haven't been, it's very hard to like him, right? He's not necessarily a likable character. I think he does a lot of it on purpose because he doesn't care about media, anything. He just wants to go racing and he doesn't care about the show. He doesn't care about anything else that's around Formula One. But there is also that argument that 
if you get into F1, you have to take the cons with the pros. So yes, you're a Formula One driver, but there's so much more that comes with that now. And you have to be a role model. You have to be a voice. You have to be much more than just get in a car because that's a very, it's a, quite a spoiled way of looking at it to be like, I want all of the benefits of being a Formula One driver and, and not have to deal with anything else. But do you not think it's just, he's just questioning the format of the racing. I, I don't necessarily see him as someone who's like super anti-media and press. Oh no, he is. But as much as he Lewis does, he, he doesn't. No, I, Lewis I've, was famously forever. So, I mean, he wrote it into his Mercedes contract that he didn't have to do sponsorship engagements. Yeah. I and mean, he physically literally wrote, I don't think any of them are keen for the media <laughs> apart from Danny Rick. Yeah. But like, Max, I've seen, especially in like some of the Sky Sports features, when he's in a chirpy mood in the press conferences, like definitely playing around or joking with Lewis or or trying to like have a bit of a laugh, like his sense of humor is maybe not always on point. But like, I, I don't get the impression that he hates it way more than any of the other drivers. Mm. I The stuff that I'm reading that makes me think, seriously, this guy might bail is his like, it's I'm not just, what Formula One was. Yeah, I'm just not here to like literally spend my whole weekend in this like uber competitive. Like, like he said, I was bored on Saturday. And, mm. and as a viewer, I was bored. Like he was like, I don't really get why we're here qualifying again. Like what's the point? I've got to yeah. set lap times. Like, I've done it. And, and that's where I think whilst he doesn't always talk about the history of F1 and being a, a lover of the history, you want to be an F1 driver because you want to be an F1 driver. Mm. You're not signing up to be in the WWE. You yeah. know, it's not about just false entertainment. I think that's yeah. what he's seeing. The the BS red flags in the Australian Grand Prix, all these new sprint formats, endlessly changing things just to try and create these kind of mad, crazy situations, which him and Lewis theoretically created on their own mm-hmm. in 2021. Now just Formula 1 are desperate for that again. I think he's like, I'm, yeah. I'm not here for this. Either let yeah. us race, make it more competitive, change the rules so that it's more competitive. Just reverse the grid then. Let him drive No, but even that, you see, I saw a lot of people say, if you're going to do the sprint race, do it in reverse order. But I, I still think that's anti-F1. Mm. I think F1's supposed to be the pinnacle. It's supposed to be up speed. But do things, change the rules, look at things, which is what these new regulations were supposed to be all about, to make it or enable it to be more competitive. Mm. That That's really the crux of it, is if you are trying to increase the spectacle and the show of Formula One, all your focus and attention is how do we make it so that the, the, the cars and the teams can be close together. Now, I also would struggle with homologated chassis or parts or engines or wings because I think that moves away from Fortnite. I think the teams have to be able to develop their own products, their own identity, and it should be a race of a team, not just of a driver. But, but there needs to be some things to be that could be looked at. I'd be far more willing to consider that if it meant that we had 10 drivers fighting for a win each race than, yeah, these kind of ridiculous false formats of sprint races and sprinklers and upside down grids and <laughs> 52 penalties and whatever it might be just to try and create some crazy moments. <laughs> like when it doesn't and all yeah, that happens is yeah. he's got 17 laps of boredom. I don't, I, I completely agree. Um, what was interesting reading the article, I'm sure we read the same article about Toto Wolf complaining about these regulations. And did you see all of the comments underneath it? No. Basically saying that 
Toto Wolf was the one that argued about the porpoising last season. Uh. So they've changed the cars this season. They've raised them up, which has created even more dirty air, which has allowed meant the cars couldn't follow as well, couldn't overtake. So it's like his fault. <laughs> you kind of like try and fix something, but something else breaks whilst you're fixing that. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. Maybe we need to brainstorm and come up with some ideas and we'll su- be writing submit them to f1.com uh, <laughs> yeah. with here's our proposal slash inquiries. Yeah. <laughs> we'll use that moment to wrap up uh, this latest episode of After the Chicken Flag. We will be back with you in a few weeks from Monaco, right? That is our next episode. Yeah, our next episode oh. will be from Monte Carlo ahead of. Is this the, the ro- is this the roaming Green. one? Oh, you just gave away a huge. <laughs> I mean, that's just a rookie <laughs> error, isn't it? Stay tuned. Some exciting <laughs> stuff coming to you from Monaco. Um, but yeah, there's going to be basically double the content you're going to be getting from Monaco in and around the Monaco Grand Prix. But it's a triple header. Whilst Paul and I are down there, you've got the Imola Grand Prix, Monaco Grand Prix, and the Barcelona Grand Prix uh, back to back. Uh, we're not going to any of them. <laughs> no, I'm not going to reveal any more secrets. Um, but yeah, you're going to want to stay tuned. So if you're listening to us, uh, you can uh, follow or leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. But if you want to watch us, if you want to get access to these episodes early on and get involved potential live content and some other bits and bobs and sometimes try to secretly reveal sometimes see sam's living room see, uh, yeah today we're filming at home uh head up to recast.tv forward slash behind the glass for the exclusive video versions of these podcasts which go out about five days before the audio version so yes go check that out uh, otherwise in the meantime you can follow paul at wallace pgw on most social media platforms on at seen through glass on most social media platforms and we'll be back with you for quite a lot of content oh in a yeah few weeks time Bye-bye. bye bye after the chicken flag mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.